I hate Rudy Gobert. We all know that. I hate Trey Young. Rudy Gobert. I hate him. There you go. You have all the ammo you ever need now. And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davison, and I'm joined by my good buddies, Ethan Elfman and Elton Beltry. Now, guys, we are about to get into a little bit of some stuff that's already happened. You know, we record every Sunday, so sometimes we miss it, and, and we don't get the pod in the middle of the week. But the Golden State Warriors are out. And so today, we're going to be talking about the Golden State Warriors uh, do a little bit of a, you know, a little thing with them, say the franchise, miniature one, and then we're getting into our playoff predictions, which, you know, we, I made mine before all the games started, so we're going to be a little bit sad on a couple of mine because they didn't quite go right. But guys, are you ready to start today talking about how Adam Silver was very sad uh, um, earlier on uh, Friday? I can I can relate to Adam Silver's sadness. I I had a very similar experience on uh, yesterday Saturday afternoon. I was playing golf, and my first two three putts of the day came on consecutive par fives, where I landed the green in two, and I three putted for par twice in a row. It was a very sad experience, and I can relate with that because Adam Silver had the two teams. In the, in the playing game that you'd won, the Warriors and Lakers. And it was a great game. It was a very exciting time. And then, of all teams, the Memphis Grizzlies, a team that most people, for if you ask a random fan to name all the NBA teams, this is one of the teams that they would miss. And they have kicked the Warriors out of the playoffs um, to the benefit of no one other than John Morant's. Honestly, I enjoy watching him. I think I'll enjoy watching them play a little bit. Honestly, as a whole, more because they have Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman as well. Who, by the way, Xavier Tillman killed it final minutes of that Warriors Grizzle game. Yep, Des- Desmond Bain putting it away on a on a dunking and one. Um, and you know what? NBA draft Twitter, um, I guess, is probably the only winner out out of all out of that, along with the Grizzlies. But uh, it's as far as the stuck with the plan. Did you guys? I mean, Elkin, you didn't enjoy the play in, but. Uh, overall, as as a concept, what do we think? It's not a bad concept. I think it encourages. I mean, some teams, obviously, some teams who are seventh and eighth are like, eh, uh, we don't know about this. I am curious, and I don't know if you guys can clarify the rules on the play-in. So, what happens if you have, let's just say, we pick one of the conferences? You have a seven-seeded team who's like, let's just say, like five or six games ahead of the next, like at least the eighth seed in, in more games. Is that Are they still in the play-in or not? I, I mean, as the current rules are, it's just 7-8 versus 9-10. and okay. 10. Now, they might, you know, maybe there's going to be a year, and I don't know if they want to be proactive about this and, and give some sort of, like, numerical, you know, number. Right? I mean, the 72-game season made it a little bit tricky in that regard, but maybe when they go to the regular, you know, back to normal as far as their season, maybe they'll be like, okay, if you're ahead by this many games, then you avoid the play-in, right? If you're this many games over the teams on the outside looking in. But at the moment, just 7-8, 9-10. And unfortunately, the Warriors are out. The eight seed are now out having, wait for it, a 
0.5% shot at Cade Cunningham. Could you believe it? I can believe it, though. But also, too, we got a new category uh, in stats now with the play-in stats since they don't qualify as regular season or playoffs. You actually can't find them anywhere, right? <laughs> uh, someone found them. I forgot where a reporter, NBA writer, mentioned he found them. I thought I don't know if it was the NBA website or somewhere, but it said play-in stats. But, I mean, they have to account somewhere. They have to put him somewhere. I, I can't wait to see, and, you know, assuming this lasts for, like, let's say 10 years, like, I can't wait to see who the playoff game king is. And, like, I'm going to go ahead and throw my nomination in because I feel like Zach Levine's going to be playing for the Bulls in some relative obscurity for a while. I'm going to put it in, in now that Zach Levine's going to be the, retire as the all-time leader in play-in play game points. There we go. I could see him being the eight seed for like the next five years if he stays with the Bulls. Well, with the with the way things are going with the Pacers and us having the fortune of probably winning one game and then losing the next, it could be someone likes a bonus for Brogdon too, since we get two That's tries. A good pick. Two tries. With the Golden State Warriors being eliminated, we gotta do a state of the franchise for them. We gotta let them know where it is. And they finished as the only team to uh, missed the playoffs that had an above 500 record, 39-33. And when we were compiling this, guys, it was a little bit like coming up with the core players for the Golden State Warriors basically just came down to, all right, who did they trust to actually get minutes while they were, uh, you know, in the play-in? Outside of Kevon Looney, probably. And maybe, maybe we should have mentioned him. But, uh, you know, Steph Curry, Jamon Green, Jordan Poole, um, Wantus Kyle Anderson and Andrew Wiggins, like those, are like their main, you know, their main guys getting getting minutes. Um, and obviously Clay Thompson out with injury, he's obviously part of their core. And for better or worse, James Wiseman, um, also out with injury. Uh, looking at this, guys, how, how do you guys feel about the Golden State Warriors core players uh, now and going forward? Um, I believe, actually. The core doesn't look that bad. I mean, they are getting up in age. We know that at least their three main players are. With Steph, Clay, and Draymond. I would feel more confident with this core if I had a Clay who was just coming back from a torn ACL, not a torn ACL and a torn Achilles. Because it's interesting to see how he's going to come back. He's probably His shooting touch is probably going to be there. Defensively, he might slip a little bit. But overall... I think this core has potential. Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, Juan, Toscano Anderson, Andrew Wiggins. It's not a bad core. I, I still don't feel as though it's a championship core. I'm interested to see, depending on where this Minnesota pick is, and we'll talk about obviously incoming, where it lands, I can, if they're able to get it. I mean, And I'm curious to see, are they going to do some trades? Are they going to take that pick, get another young piece? Because I know at the back of the GM's mind, they have to think like we can only have this core for so long, at least our three main guys who were there during the championship years. And that'll be interesting to see what type of moves they're going to do. Yeah. I think it's interesting to see if let's say, let's say the Minnesota pick conveys to them this year, or even they get lucky and they get one of those top, top picks. It'll be interesting to see how they view the young asset this time around. Cause last year, obviously there might not have been any offers, but they, they didn't move Wiseman to bring in, let's just say a veteran that would have helped more. 
they didn't and this year if they get another high pick they they'll have that option again you know they might they might be able to bring in a Jalen Green or they might be able to bring in a Jonathan Kaminga or theoretically swap him with some matching salary to bring someone else in that that fits with Curry and Thompson and Green a little bit better um I think that's the uh, the most interesting dynamic of the the upcoming off season for them is what what direction do they go or do they have do they have that pick even coming in because they they're likely to have the 14th pick and Minnesota is likely to is is not it's not out of the possibility that they keep their pick falling in top three protections so the the Warriors might be kind of stuck here in limbo just trying to figure things out um, I guess if they know next year's Minnesota picks unprotected they. You know, sometimes the value of the picks a little higher when it's uh, sitting out there in limbo. But, you know, I I honestly just think this team is, is destined to kind of be in the bottom half of the playoff pitcher uh, as long as Curry's healthy. If Clay's back, I mean, just ha- having him be a shooter instead of Juan Toscano-Anderson, that's that's helpful. By the way, I, I thought it was funny. You know, we, we, we talked a little bit pre-pod about Looney maybe being part of the core players. Kevon Looney is younger than Juan Toscano-Anderson. It's just kind of a funny thing to think about because he does not look younger, even though Kevon Looney is 25 years old and Juan Toscano-Anderson is 28. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting thing. Uh, but yeah, having Clay Thompson there, I mean, you saw them essentially double, triple teaming Steph Curry, and in 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 the Memphis game in particular, just not able to you know take advantage of it as much as you needed to. Um, you know, you, you get Draymond going on some of those short roll situations and you got four on four on three advantages and sometimes not being able to capitalize having a Clay Thompson disallows you from being able to do that and opens up the floor to even you know make those opportunities easier. We just don't know what that looks like going forward. One thing that's uh, helpful has is the semi emergence of Jordan Poole. If you, I mean, him being a, you know, I guess before before this year kind of looked like a oh that's a whiff you know that's a miss and um and now it's like, okay well look 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 at how he's been able to develop and and attempt to do a little bit of like some Steph liked stuff um you, know, you, could, you could tell he work you know is working closely with Steph uh but yeah we, we kind of need to see what Clay Thompson looks like because if Clay Thompson comes back and he's not quite the same. That three years, $120 million could be in our little bad contracts uh, category. Right now we have Andrew Wiggins, two more years, $64 million. Three more years, $120 million for Clay Thompson. That is a whole lot of money. And other than me having Nico Mannion in there, even though it's he really is not signed past this year, like it's a joke for me. Like that Clay Thompson money could be bad if he if he's not if, if he's not back. Yeah, definitely can be because it's it, if, he, if he's just, you know, turns into Kyle Korver at this stage, if like the legs just don't aren't able to move enough to be a good, a, a legit good defender. Like I, I have 100 percent faith he's going to be a great shooter. I still have like I don't think that's going to go away, but there are my concerns that he is now going to be in the more of a I am here and present and not a problem more so than being a defensive stopper that he's been. Uh, for a majority, for the entire entirety of the Warriors, you know, championship runs. Yeah, and and kind of looking at it, how how Richard brought up just his contract situation, and I was watching Richard was putting the money allotted, what this team has on the books, 
if you have someone like Clay Thompson not working out after, I mean, you pay him for what he where he was at, or how things were going, and now you see what they have on the books, and and Richie, you might need to you could probably explain this better than me because I think you brought up the uh, repeater tax offender. Yeah, I mean, they're paying the taxes. Um, I'm pretty sure that they're paying the taxes here. And next year, they've got $166.5 million already already paid out. And so they'll be a repeater team, which just means that, you know, instead of paying X amount per extra dollar you spend, right, whether it's two or three, whatever it is, this year, because of the pandemic, they it ended up being a little bit of an easier pill to swallow. The NBA made some adjustments to make it easier for tax-paying teams. Uh, but that's probably not going to be there next year. And so they're going to, and they will be a repeater next year. And that's going to cost a whole lot of money. So it really, it's, it's less so that, you know, oh, okay, well, they're, they're spending a lot of money already. It's that, well, now what is ownership gonna, going to be willing to do? Are they going to need to start casting off some people? Are they going to have to, in order to make it work, send Andrew, I mean, who knows? Like, let's trade Andrew Wiggins away. But are we going to have to be desperate enough that we're going to have to attach, um, like actual assets in order to, to move him? Or are we going to trade away Draymond Green in order to uh, find a time to dodge the tax? It's just so those decisions need to be made. And if you're trying to win a championship in the twilight of, you know, the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, you can't really be cutting corners in order to make it happen when this roster is, I mean, Clay Thompson coming back, even if he is Clay Thompson again, I'm sorry, but this, this team isn't, um, like they're not the favorite, right? They still need other pieces. And and so that's, that just, it puts them in a, in a a bind. So, and, and not to mention 165 million next year, but the year after that, if they bring back Steph Curry, which you would imagine they want to, then that's uh, at least $170 million in the books. And and then the next year, um, you know, it just depends. It, it's, do they, they resign Steph Curry? Uh, does he want to be back? It, there's just a lot of uncertainty going forward with their financial situation. Yeah. But, I mean, at least moving forward, they put themselves in a good position with that first-round draft pick that they can possibly get from Minnesota if, if it conveys. So, to my understanding, this year is top three protected, and the next year it's unprotected. And I forgot what the percentage was. I know they have a pretty good percentage of getting that pick. They have more than 50%. Is it more than 50% chance to get that pick? I think so. I, I haven't done the tankathon look look around for a little bit. But more or less, uh, Minnesota kind of won their way out of the top, yeah. you know, the pole position of getting their pick back. And so they kind of like, it, it's nice to see a team, you know, play a little bit better and have some good basketball going for them. Um, but uh, it's 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 tricky when uh when you're talking they really should have wanted to keep this pick because Kate Cunningham um Jalen like a whole lot of players fit the mold for what Minnesota could use and they, they kind of they you know for example going five and five in their last 10 when everyone else was had two wins in their last 10 I'm, I'm on tankathon right now um this is just bad moves so they have a the Minnesota has a 30 7.2% of going top four. So that means the Warriors have a full 63 of like anything under the top four. Richard, you, you seem to have the correct all the way going. Yeah, I got it pulled up. So they've they've got about uh, a 28% chance of keeping their pick. Minnesota does. Um, 
because you know it, just the way that it, it kind of flattens out whereas if you look if they were to have ended up let's say top three for example if they ended up top three then you know th then we're talking about something like a 35 uh 36 percent chance so, so it's them winning those games yeah pushes their odds you know down but because it just with the way that the lottery odds have been smoothed it doesn't hurt them quite as bad as as one might think obviously you want to maximize your opportunities but maybe they feel you know what we're most likely to end up at pick seven or pick eight so why not just you know especially because after the top five or four there's really a drop off why not just do it this way and then make sure that we've got our pick next year for, for uh, the year after for, for flexibility and if we happen to get lucky then we're getting one of those top three guys so that's fair enough that's a fair assumption and and then looking at the what else the Warriors have incoming, they have the 2022 20, Toronto second, which I think Richard put a comment on. It's a little weird on that incoming pick. It's it's like backwards protected, oh, and okay. it, it flips and goes to Charlotte. It's it's a whole mess. I I I literally just looked at it. I don't care to explain it. There's there's some pick swappery going, and I I don't care. I don't care to detail and it. Then outgoing. They have the Minnesota second round, 21 second round pick. I'm guessing they have their own second round pick from 21 outgo in the 23rd, 2023 second round outgo in the 24th round. 20, 2024, they have a first round, which is a top four protecting going out. Go ahead. And 25, it's protected for the first overall pick. And in 26, it'll be unprotected. Yeah, and then... These have all these picks because in 2024, they have a second going out. In 25, they have another second. And then 26, they have another second. They don't care about second-round draft picks. And I'm guessing where this team's at at that point, I mean, who knows? They could be at a point of rebuilding, but they're like, let's get rid of all these second-round picks. You can always buy them. And they, this is a, a team that doesn't doesn't seem to sweat money that much. Nope, especially after being in that chase center. But, yeah, do you guys have anything else you want to add to the Golden State Warriors state of the franchise? Just curious as to what what they'll do because I don't. I mean, you could easily see them saying, "All right, well, we're just going to stand pat," and you kind of need to until they see what happens. I mean, obviously, a lot has to do with do they get this Minnesota pick or not. And but if you feel like they can't stand pat for like three years because that's a whole lot of money to, you know, it's a whole lot of money. And and so we'll we'll, we'll see what they do. I am interested to see what the the future of Kelly Oubre is. If he just you know leaves in uh, a loan free agency, or if there's a sign and trade possibility, because I know I know I know the the Warriors they, they they honestly probably would rather have another you know ten million dollars on their books this coming season, given the fact that they're already so deep in the tax to have flexibility, and so there might be a team that Kelly Oubre wants to go to that has you know some contract they could send out that they don't care about and like. The Warriors are going to be like, hey, if you, if you want to go there, let's let's can we have back that bad contract just to have something to trade for future reference like that? That's that's where they're at because they have so little flexibility. But but at the same time, like they are at one hundred and sixty six million dollars. Like if you trade away, uh, if you do a sign and trade and then get back equivalent money, like now you're one hundred and eighty or well, whatever you, million you could do le a little less right as long as the yeah, team but, but has like some every, space but you're so deep into the tax like i just i i just think that they financially would just tell themselves we'll, we'll just let them walk my, or, my, my my thought process specifically was with kelly olenek and the rockets and Ubre to the rockets they swap the kelly's 
I mean, if if you make a trade like that, maybe it could be something. I, mean, I don't know. I just it's 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 a tough situation because are the Rockets going to have cap space? Because if they do, then why not just sign someone with cap space? Why not, why not just sign Kelly Ray with cap space? Unless you want That's somebody true. else. Because Kelly is a free agent as well. It would be a double like, sign and, and you trade can, You can't directions. do sign and trade going back because then you're hard capped and the Warriors are so far over. Oh, good they point. They can't do it. So Good point. All right. That, that was just my thought. Let's now talk about our playoff predictions. Disclaimer again. I made mine before yesterday's slate of games, and uh, I guess I guess before the first because I don't know when you're listening to this, but we made it before um, before Saturday's games, and well, I really only semi regret one pick. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into this. We'll go through. Let's go west, uh, then east, um, uh, starting with the Jazz Grizzlies guys. What do you see in this series? What do you think? What's your prediction? I uh, I got Jazz in five. I think the Grizzle will get one game, just like they got the Warriors in in one game. I think the I think the the Grizzle have a little bit of fight in them to figure it out for one game. Have a hot shooting night from Desmond Bain, Grayson Allen actually come back from the mothballs and shoot well for a game. I see all that as a possibility. I think the Jazz are a team that is going to be overwhelming for the most part, but it, you know. If, if Jaron Jackson Jr. rounds a little bit into into form and can play a little at the five without being, you know, a foul prone guy, which he has always been, um, that that's a lineup that I could see really giving the Jazz some problems for a quarter or two. And if, if you if, if that's the case, if the, if you can kind of go net neutral the rest of the time, I see the the Grizzles winning one game and being being sent sent home. At, after that. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. A gentleman sweep. I can see the Grizzlies winning a home game, getting the home crowd behind them. I can see, uh, as Ethan mentioned, some Bane action, making some threes, some future Indiana Pacer, Grayson Allen doing some work as well. I can see that happening. And John Morant, I can see him having just one solid game where he has kind of like how he did against the Warriors. That's where I see it as. Now, would I be surprised if they got swept? I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised at all, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're like a game, let's just say like a game four and they're down 3-0 and they're at home and they go ahead and win that game four and then that's it and they get eliminated in game five, which is kind of what I'm expecting to happen. I just look, I, I just, for me, I, I four or five is, is, I would be so shocked if it got to six. Um, and so for me, it's like, well, I, let me just go four here. I got Jazz in four. Um, the sweep. I just find it, it's going to be very difficult for this Grizzlies team where, where Ja really wants to get into the paint, and that's where Rudy Gobert is. And uh, I just I just find I just think that that uh, is going to lead to a lot of them doing floaters. And Memphis is pretty good at floaters um, overall, but at the same time, you play the percentages out enough. Like that's the 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 Jazz are just there's just so many ways that they can come in and attack you and, and, and make you make you pay i i just think this is a, a really bad matchup for the grizzlies it would take something like what what jaw did where he's hitting you know five of ten from three point range right because you know that you're going under on those screens and you're giving them those opportunities i just i just don't necessarily see it happening here at, at all so i'm going with jazz and four 
I think that's smart. I, say, I think the combination of a good shooting night from for the team, and then like they they're they're also in the floater in the floater game hard because that's where the Jazz are going to get with the shots. If they have a night where they're just making all those, which they're like like you know it, they are team floater. I, I think there's a, a I think that's why there's one. I think and that, I'm I'm not gonna give them more than one because Jonas Valanciunas, who's been their second best player all season, has nothing to do in this series other than. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just make Rudy Gobert sad, make him angry, push him around a little bit, bully him. Because like, you know, Rudy, Rudy Gobert is a man who can be bullied. You know, at least mental, mentally wise, not not, not not much physically or on the basketball court, but he's soft. We know this. Uh, more, more Rudy Gobert slander. Oh, I right. knew it. And knew uh, it. <laughs> and uh, so that is, we got, we all got the Jazz in four or five. Uh, pretty pretty straightforward here. Uh, let's go to, I mean, I almost want to save this one for last, but, uh, I, I, Suns Lakers, like this, this is probably like, like this is the matchup out, out West. That's just really intriguing because of well, the Lakers are in it and th- th- this could be interesting. Ethan, who you got, what do you have here? Got Lakers in five. I don't think this goes to series is going to be particularly close in any any specific games. I think you know they'll all be within ten point spreads probably, but I don't think the Suns have any answer for the two best players of the Lakers, and I think the combination of Caruso's effort, KCP, you know Wesley Matthews. I, I just I just like the individual matchups that the Lakers have for the two best players of the Suns, not to mention Anthony Davis and even Drummond when we're talking about shutting down Aiton. Aiton's not a guy who looks for his shot all that often um, since Chris Paul has come in. I don't know if that's a if that's a, really a flaw of his or if that's like just something that he, he's just elected to not work on. Um, I look at the season series this year and the, the Lakers won two of the three. I'm trying I'm gonna I'm gonna try and pull up the specific game that the the or no, hold on a second. Am I reading this wrong? I might be reading this wrong. But regardless, I, I just don't think there's a good matchup for the Suns out here. I, I I have no faith that they will be able to execute. All right. The Suns did win the season series, so they won two of the games. So. Now. But who cares? This, this, this season it's, series matters yeah. literally not at all this season. This I know. I, I was going to look at what, what, what games were what. I know the last game that they lost by a, a decent amount when they were still pushing for the one seed, Anthony Davis by himself wiped the floor with the Suns, and that's kind of all I needed to see. Okay. Now, what hear me got? out. Hear me out, because I have the Suns in six. <laughs> As my cat is scratching my leg right now trying to get attention. Um. Try, try, try to tell you that you got the wrong pick. That's what, that's what yeah. the cat's trying to tell you. That, that cat has good intuition. Good, good basketball, good basketball knowledge. Now, obviously, Suns, they have their struggles against handling the Lakers' best players. But I still think the Suns can pull it off. I think it's possible. I'm interested to see what type of LeBron we're getting. Because LeBron, I mean, when he started that game against the Warriors, it was a little rough. AD was a little rough for him. Obviously, the Warriors probably know how to scheme pretty well against the Lakers. I'm gonna be I'm gonna admit to that. But I think it's possible with the way the Suns have been playing for them to pull off. I can't believe I'm saying a a two beating a seven is an upset. That's what I feel like I'm gonna be saying. I I, I don't think I can't remember the last time in NBA history this has this has really happened like this. And go ahead Richard. So I'm just saying, when, when's the one's last time had? When is the last time that the seven seed again, the defending champions who have the best player in basketball, like like we're just kind of in unprecedented times, and 
because of like. I mean, if you, I'll let you talk more about the Suns because I, I am more lockstep with Ethan here. Yeah, I know, uh, and it's just something about this series. I think just watching that Lakers Warriors game, I still don't feel right about the Lakers. I mean, obviously, it's just one game, but I feel like the series is gonna be a lot closer than it than it looks on paper. That that's the feeling I'm getting. Well, I think the the great equalizer in the series can be the three point shot, and the Lakers are not a good three point shooting team. Um, I would say that you know they got some of those guys who make them when they count, blah blah blah, those kinds of things. But when we're looking at guys on the on the Suns, you know Devin Booker, he shot thirty four percent, but I think everyone would say he's a good shooter. Chris Paul, clearly a guy who can make shots. Mikael Bridges shooting forty two and a half percent. Jay Crowder shot thirty eight point uh, nine. Cameron Johnson shot a low 35%. Like, I mean, like there's a bunch of these guys who can shoot really well for the Suns. And if they spread the floor out and Chris Paul's just hitting people in, in stride and they're making shots, there's going to be some problems for the Lakers. But like, I, I think Anthony Davis, I think engage LeBron, even if he's a little, little banged up, I think the Lakers have the defensive, you know, as being the best defensive team in the, in the league, I think they can slow him down enough. Like with every other aspect of the game that the three pointers, I don't think can fully cover um, all the other deficits, but that's the, that's the chance. That's the chance they have is they are a better three point shooting team. And that's something that matters in today's NBA. Yeah. I, I just look at this as an awful matchup for the Suns, and in particular, Chris Paul Um, with Alex Caruso being a very good guard defender, he's going to just be up, up in his grill. And the way that the Lakers defend ball screens is by showing pretty high. And that's you know different from where you see Phoenix just destroying Utah because Chris Paul does love to get to the mid range and the, the Rudy Gobert drop the drop style defense like the Suns are going to take advantage of teams that that do that more because hey that's where Chris Paul likes to get into but that's just the Lakers play a more aggressive style defense and that's going to make life more difficult on Chris Paul and it's going to lead to trying to get the ball to Aiton and Aiton trying to figure out what to do with it and you look at the other end. The Lakers like to start big and go big, and that just makes, like, what in the world are, is Phoenix going to do? Who's guarding, let's say it's Drummond here. And while Drummond has his issues against a team like the Warriors especially, like, like that's just a, a bad matchup for a team like that. The, the Warriors have Draymond Green to match up against Anthony Davis, right? Well, well who's that matchup for, for Phoenix? They don't have anybody, right? If they if they put Aiton on um, Anthony Davis, then you are you are putting Jay Crowder on Andre Drummond, which guess what? If you, if you got LeBron driving to the hole or anything, like those are just lobs waiting to happen. If you put him in the dunker spot. So you got to have Aiton on Drummond. Well, now who's guarding Anthony Davis, Jay Crowder. I know Jay Crowder was the primary defender on like a Giannis, but that's where, you know, you're packing it in, you know, you're getting tons of help. Uh, and you know, Giannis is passing ability. Anthony Davis is another beast. And so I, I just, I see this as an awful matchup because no matter what, you're putting a six-six guy on Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and and that's a problem. That's a real big problem. And so I just see this as it's unfortunate because it's going to result in people having slander for Chris Paul because I think it's a bad matchup for him. Uh, having slander for this for this team saying, "Oh well, you know they were they weren't ready or or as bad." But no, it was just it's just an awful matchup for them, and they got unlucky. If the Lakers had gone against if it was the other way around and, and you know the Lakers were facing 
the, the Jazz and, and, and the Suns got somebody else, I think that the Suns would do really well and, and could make a deep a deep run. It's just this is the bad matchup if everyone's healthy. The way that the Suns can can get it is, again, they're shooting threes well and LeBron James is not healthy. That's, that's, that's the path. But I, I think I saw enough from LeBron James in that game to where I, I just think it's going to be tough. Yeah, you were talking defensively. Like if, if we give Mikel Bridges the best of praise and say he's on par with Jimmy Butler as a defender of LeBron James, he, you're still coming up short at the at the center position. When he, We saw this movie last year with Jay Crowder, uh, Jimmy Butler, and then a center that's not that good at defending the rim when Bam wasn't in the games and he was hurt. We've already seen that movie, and that was Lakers in six. And I honestly think that the other surrounding town of the Heat with the, the, the potential for shooters was equal to the Suns this year. It's it's We've seen this movie, and the Lakers won it last year. And I would say the Lakers are not any worse, um, barring – I like Danny Green more than Dennis Schroeder, but I don't know if that matters. Yeah. yeah well – not in the, not in this one. This is this is perfect for the for the Lakers to stay big. I got Lakers in six just because I want to be generous to the Suns. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm going Lakers here. Uh, I th- I think Lakers series. I'm I'm taking the if if I'm on the half game, I'm always taking the under right now because I think LeBron's like let me rest, please. I think I think that's the approach, the mentality of this team. Whereas I think team LeBron in the past sometimes likes to just keep playing basketball. Oh man. Um. Okay. Nuggets Blazers. Uh, this is probably one that I'm a little bit nervous about. Um, the next two are ones that I am nervous about, uh, based off of my pre-pick before. I have Nuggets in seven, and after after last night's game, I'm a little bit nervous about it because, man, those are some tiny, tiny guards that the Nuggets have that Dame that Dame can just rise up over, and CJ McCollum can just rise up over, and who provide little to no space. Jokic with one assist. Um, man. I, I 100% am, it was in the case with this series. I mean, like, it, it looks really easy for me to pick Blazers in six now. But, like, understand, everyone, I am a homer for the Blazers. I was going to do this regardless. You were, you were, you were. But the, the fact of the matter is, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum making another team's guards look small is a big problem. And... When we're talking about, like, I think if we did, like, a top 10 player rankings, Jokic and Dame would be very similarly located. And depending on the week, you could flip-flop them all the time. You know, Jokic is the clear MVP this year, but Damian Lillard is an incredible basketball player in his own right. And the second best player in the series, you know, on either team is CJ McCall. He's better than Aaron Gordon. He's better than Michael Porter Jr. in, in, in terms of what the way I would look at a playoff player so far. And... I think that that carries the day. And when you're looking at, okay, we have who can slow down Jokic? Nurkic is not a bad guy to slow him down. Although Jokic, I saw one play yesterday where Jokic just sprinted past him. And I'm like, I don't know if people realize he's actually not a bad athlete now. Like, now that he's not f- so fat, he's actually a really good athlete. And, like, but Nur- I still like Nurkic, you know, if, if he's not get, just getting blitzed out of nowhere. I like I like his ability to slow Jokic down a little bit, whereas I don't like anyone be, on the Nuggets being able to slow down Damian Lillard, um, unless for some reason Aaron Gordon like figures out how to guard a tiny man. Uh, so I just can't I can't not pick Damian Lillard to, to dominate the series and for the and the, the Nuggets to lose. And it's not it's no, no one's fault other than Jamal's ACL. It's just, it's just a tough a tough one. I think you're right. The, the the attempted adjustment has to be all right, Aaron Gordon. Let's see what you can do. Um, 
and 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 this is your job. We we don't really you know just do the best that you can and yeah. I don't, just like, run him off the line. Get him where you're 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 trying to rear rear window contest if he if he wants to take mid rangers. But you just gotta uh, size him so he can't just pull because right now he's just pulling and it's it, you you can't have that. It won't work because Dame will make those. We know this. We should we should say it should be mentioned that um, Will Barton not playing right now. That I don't also know doesn't what, help. I don't know what his timeline is if he if he's gonna be able to make it back or play. Maybe this is a Shaq Harrison. Um, maybe he's gonna have to get some minutes. I don't I don't know, but they're gonna have to figure some of this out. The problem is you've got if again you're you're missing. We, we kind of made some jokes earlier on the season. It's like, oh, Falcuno Capazzo. You know, they when, when they've already got all all these point guards and uh, is but it's like really they just have too many centers and now too many tiny guards. They don't have a whole lot of people in the middle, and that was a lot of the discussion earlier on, right? You know, you know letting letting these letting these type of people go and going toward big like Zeke Naji, Javale McGee, Bull Bull getting no minutes. No minutes at all. And you're having Marcus Howard play 20 minutes of basketball. And while that might be fun for Ethan, he's tiny. I am the biggest Marcus Howard fan in the history of NBA commentary. And I don't think he should be playing in the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) He should not. He should not. Um, It's just, this this just ruins the day. Like, so when everyone's healthy, Jamal Murray included, when Will Barton's healthy, the Aaron Gordon, you know, swap around with Gary Harris is is a great play and a great pick. But right now, when you're having, you don't have a, a, a lead guard like Murray, who even though he's not a good defender, he's out there hustling, he's trying, like, and he's big, so he could, you know, provide a little bit more than your Composos and Monte Morris's. But when we're talking about no Gary Harris now in this matchup here, like Gary Harris played a really like he's he played a really important role in the Jazz series last year, slowing down Donovan Mitchell. He would have similar effects right now um slowing down Dame or CJ and that's what they need right now probably even more so than Aaron Gordon because Aaron Gordon can't do that one thing Aaron Gordon was going to help them win the championship if they play the Lakers when you need someone to guard LeBron or you need someone to you know have some bounce ability against Anthony Davis but he's not helping you against the Blazers especially when Jamal Murray's not out there to just be a body on those two it's it's just it's just a tough break for the Nuggets and it's going to continue to be a tough break because of how late in the year Murray tore his ACL. I think it's still possible they can win. Uh, Elkin, you've got them. You, you've you've got them winning in six. It's just I think it's going to be very very tough. That's what I think. Later, it's a tough series. I think the Nuggets can still pull it off. Now, if the Blazers do end up pulling it off, I, based on what I saw in yesterday's game, what I've seen from the highlights, I would not be as surprised. I know that's one of my things. I wouldn't be surprised, but they just like you guys pointed out. They're having trouble answering to the Blazers' backcourt, and they're pretty much telling Jokic, we're going to let you score as much as you want. That's pretty much what they did. Do whatever you want, but we're not going to let you play make for the other guys on your team. I, I, I do think that the, the best the best practice, Marcus Howard is not that. I think you, you throw as much defense, like P.J. Dozier, you throw Shaq Harrison, Austin Rivers, you throw as much defense on the court as you can to try to slow C.J. and Dame down. And just hope that Jokic can create enough to where they have to send some help and then he can pick you apart. Like, I think that, I think you just trust Jokic. If, if they're not going to send help, trust Jokic to carry the day offensively and put as many defenders on the court around him as you can. That, that'd be my plan. Yeah. I mean, you only got, Jokic gets one assist. So 
Like, yeah, they're just not sending help. They're like, hey, yeah. Nurk- Nurkish, do your best. And Nurkish is going to do good sometimes. But, like, if it, if it comes to it, then if they're not sending help, Jokic just has to, has to win every possession or win 60% of possessions, so they have to eventually send help. Um, and I would say, even though P- I don't, I, I'm not a guy who's like, P.J. Dozier's a great defender. I think he's a you know crazy hands guy. Sha- Shaq Harrison, obviously, been foul-prone foul in his career. It's just it's one of those things. Like, he, But he, those two guys are bigger. They're going to help more than Compazzo. Compazzo might be a, a great positional defender, but he's tiny. Can't do it. So like, I, I say go all go all defense and say, hey, if they're not going to send two to Jokic, he can score every time in theory. Let's just try it. That's that. And I, I don't want that to happen. I want the Blazers to whoop it. But, you know, <laughs> uh, that that's the option. You have to have Jokic just go ham every possession until they have to send two. The 4-5 matchup. Clippers-Mavs. This is the one that I'm uh, even more nervous about. <laughs> um, I picked Clippers in five. Um, I... I said to myself, man, this Clippers team on paper seems very prepared. And I think that they'll be able to, you know, do everything they need to do. They've got they've got the wing defenders and and, and so guess what? You'll be able to, you know, cover Luca, but you'll look at it and it's like, wait a minute. Here 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 Luca is dropping thirty one, going for eleven assists and and it's I think it's really difficult. It's, it's like, how do you want? How are you going to defend Luca? Because if this is kind of the problem that we found out last year, was like, okay, if this is a, a Clippers team that's switching everything, then then you're just allowing them to get whatever matchup you want, and then you're not getting the you're not utilizing those wing defenders to the best of your ability. But if you decide, all right, we're going to go ahead and blitz the screen. Well, Luca's a good enough passer. That he's going to find someone else, and now your one of your best defenders is not involved in covering the four on three. So you end up being in a little bit of a pickle for deciding how you're going to defend. And I mean, again, Luca can make the right reads, and and that that's really what makes him dangerous. Even in a situation where Porzingis is not playing all that well, um, I, I mean, obviously you have big big showings from. Uh, you know, Tim Hardaway and, you know, sometimes he's five for nine from three. Other times he's one for 10 from three. So like this is, it's, I, I'm not totally sure how much stock to put in this uh, first game where, where, where the Mavericks get get the dub, but I don't, winning four straight, um, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit nervous about Clippers at five. I still think the Clippers pull it off, uh, but oof, I don't know. Talk I would like guys. to say that I'm all in on the Mavs right now. I have the Mavs in six. I know things can change, but I still go, I'm wearing the Mavs on this one. Based on what I saw, Richie brought up a point I was going to bring up. I mean, I got the I saw the Clippers go for hey we're going to attack on that screen and roll. I saw them trying to double team as soon as Luca got past half court, and it almost seemed like everything they did, Luca, anything the Clippers did, Luca was just prepared for all of it. And I think the who I saw as one of the primary defenders too was Rondo, even though I'm like, well, Luca's kind of big at times and oftentimes i mean they're switching i don't know if the clippers are going to change the way that they switch everything i probably thinks they should but just seeing that the way that they handled the pressure from the clippers the ball pressure doesn't work but i feel like there could be a few games where those mavericks just like tim Hardaway jr those mavericks role players aren't going to show up because if you look across the box score i mean 
Luka has to probably have games like this every single game that the Mavericks win in order for them to win out the series. That's just the way he's going to have to do it. And I am interested to see what happens with the Clippers' two main stars. I mean, I know people make jokes about Pandemic P and all that stuff, but, like, I do want Paul George, like, well, I would like for him to give us a good series so we can have a competitive series. Because I know Kawhi showed up from the beginning, and you kind of saw Paul George just like, oh, is this a repeat of last year already? Like, what's going on? And that's what now I'm worried about for the Clippers, because if it's just Kawhi Leonard showing up with the, not really much else, I mean, what are we going to get? I mean, you look at Paul George kind of putting like putting up like similar numbers though yeah. to to Kawhi Leonard. I know it's. I mean, but like if you saw like the way like things like started off in the beginning, it was just one of those things where like Paul George was picking up stuff like towards the end where you're like, and then watching towards the end of the game when it got close, that's when both of them just went cold. Like Kawhi Leonard even like missed a free throw, and they were just chucking up threes and nothing was hitting. So I'm like, this is if this is what's gonna happen, then I don't have confidence. But Ethan, I see you have the Clippers in seven, and you seem you seem confident. I feel like you're not wavering in that one. Well, like the calculus I, I would have took, you know, even before seeing game one was, okay, uh, Clippers beat them last year in six with no Kristaps Porzingis. I think Kristaps helps you win another game. Um, Clippers in seven seems like a, a fair pick. I also don't think the Clippers are a team with much of a sense of urgency. I feel like they're a team that, is very lackadaisical in a lot of their uh, their their about like how they go about their business. My my biggest concern in terms of like the, the Clippers coming through in this series is I I didn't get to watch the whole game um and I'm I didn't get to see Serge Ibaka play and Serge Ibaka I think is, is a very important cog in this series because he gives you the ability to protect the rim but also have some you know you know, snap your fingers, quick switch ability into shot clock kind of stuff gives you the defensive versatility. I think you need playing the Dallas Mavericks. I look at all the, the bigs on the Mavericks and they're all very different in terms of what they do. Powell is, you know, a quick hitter. I roll to the rim and get up and, you know, and more athletic than most of the people I'm going against quicker, all those kinds of things. I can get, you know, two points right at the rim. You know, Christos Rozingas is much, you know, more comfortable shoot, you know, bombing threes. I think Serge Ibaka is the big that can actually, you know, he can get out there and contest a KP shot, or he can, you know, slow slow down Powell the rim. Whereas Zubak, I don't think has the speed to to do either of those things very well. He can kind of play in his butt at the rim and try to, you know, go straight up, you know, Roy Hibbert style. But that's not, you know. There's a reason Roy Hibbert's not in the league anymore. It's because that's not the way most people play defense anymore. And I I just look at it. I think the Clippers are still going to win. I think they'll have, you know, bother Luka enough. I think Kawhi, as a sense of urgency mounts, Kawhi will, will stick Luka the entire game. Like instead of throwing Patrick Beverly at him and whatever else you have. But I, I honestly think um, until I see what Serge Ibaka looks like in person, because I didn't get to watch game one. I, I, I'm going to be very I, – I'm less bullish on the Clippers in seven. Here's here's the thing that gives me hope for my Clippers just pick in general. I mean, the Mavs hit 47% from three, right? They just had a, a phenomenal shooting day, whereas the Clippers hit 27%. Like, I, I expect a little bit more aggression to the mean and in a 10-point game – I just I just see that as something that can be definitely overcome as long as the Clippers don't start getting into their head about it, which is also very possible to happen. So, yeah, especially because this Clippers team had a like everyone on the team regular season had a career year from shooting. Like, 
I'm not saying that it's it, it can't persist, it can't come back, it can't like regress back to that regular season form. But yeah, you know, a lot of the season was played with no crowds, and for like it, it was an up offensive year in general. And I, I I do wonder with just you know even if it's micro distractions, how much that's going to play a role in this playoffs, and if we'll see offense. I mean, obviously defensive intensity is going to pick up too. But I, I'm curious, like, like come towards the end of the, the playoffs, if like you know, one of these stat people do like a, a true like, all right, we, we, we've we've dumped it all out. This is what shooting looks like on even wide open shots, and seeing if that has regressed, even with uh, you know all the good teams playing. I, I'll be really interested to see how how crowds, sight lines, all those things have changed just a little bit from the regular season. But yeah, I, I I'm I'm not sold on the Clippers as a great team. Because I don't trust um, all those career years of shooting. That's fair. But I think they'll beat the Mavericks. I think they should. We'll see. To the East. The 1-8 matchup is happening currently as we are recording. I think they're somewhere in the second quarter. Uh, And Sixers-Wizards. The 1-8 matchup. And I I mean, I'm just going to be frank. I think this. I got Sixers and five. Um, I I just I just don't think that the Wizards have enough pieces. They don't have enough. I mean, you just you, you look at who they're starting, and there's a lot of Raul Neto, a lot of Alex Len. Although the Alex Len minutes can be easily solved by someone else, but I guess you kind of need Alex Len's body in this series with Joel Embiid. So oh well, I, I just there's. For me, too many of those guys, too too much Rui for a series against a, a, a one seed. I, I just I just don't see there really being an avenue and a path for the Wizards to get there. So, I mean, I, I don't know how much more I could say, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Obviously, the Wizards kicked the Pacers' butt, but I have the Sixers doing the full sweep, no gentleman sweep, and right now my even though the game's kind of close. Currently, I checked the score before we got on to uh, this matchup. The game is close, but I just feel like the Sixers have too much manpower and overwhelming talent against the Wizards. But, and I also think, I, I don't know how Bradley Beal has been as far as his health. I know when the playing games, he was kind of, didn't seem like he was completely healthy. But... Bradley Beal could have a great game, and they steal one from the Sixers, but I don't have any confidence in the Wizards getting past the first round. I think the Sixers have too many people to throw at the the, the Wizards in terms of guys who actually have to play well for the Wizards to do anything. Between Ben Simmons, George Hill, Matisse Thybul, Danny Green, and honestly even Tobias Harris in a pinch. like I, I think, And then Joel always at the rim. There's just too many good defenders for Beal and, and Russ to have any kind of efficient games. And then, it, you know, there's there, there's going to be the Davis Bertans game or the whoever just catches fire um, shooting for the Wizards when those two kick out. And that's that's why I have the one game. It's like Davis Bertans is going to hit six threes and they're, they're going to eke out a win because the Sixers aren't, aren't paying attention enough. But I think a sweep. I think a sweep is like I got it like sixty percent to 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 go Sixers and five and forty percent for Sixers and and four. I just I don't have it any feel for the the Wizards doing anything effective on against this team. I love how you mentioned like kicking out to Dallas Bertans or someone else. Who else? 
It's going to be like, again, it's Raul, Raul Neto, it's, Ish Smith it's, getting it's minutes. A, it's in a, in a random game, and it, I, I'll, I'll, I'll remember every, remind everyone of the Josh Smith shooting game um, from the Clippers Rockets series of years past. And so Rui Hachimura could be that guy for a game. You never know, Richard. He'll, he'll, he'll just he'll, he'll just dribble into two and t- take a midi. All right. Oh my God. I don't um, appreciate the slander for no, Rui Hachimura. No Rui Richard, slander here. You you should support um, Japanese American uh, basketball players more than most people. Ooh, just saying. Oof. It's fine. It's fine. But Robin let's... Lopez will channel his inner Brook and go splash Mountain on everyone. All right. I think we're ready for the the two seven matchup. It's Nets versus Celtics. I'm I'm gonna go. With the Nets winning the series in five, uh, just based on what I saw, I think it's possible for the Celtics to give them a run for their money for one game, and that's it. I I've, the first half I was like, oh, the Nets can make the Celtics can make this a spicy matchup, but then the second half I was like, yeah, that three-headed monster that the Nets have, even when they get off to a slow start, eventually they figure it out. Even though I was, I had a brief, my heart skipped for a B. I don't know if you guys saw much of the highlights when Marcus Smart tried taking the charge on Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant had that weird fall. Like I watched that live and I was like, I actually think what saved Kevin Durant from a worse injury was that his arm got put behind his back and he didn't brace himself with his wrist. I think that that helped out Kevin Durant to just kind of land on his side. But, and I, I also do not like Marcus Smart because he's one of the guys who does the, I'm going to take a charge right after you've launched yourself for a layup. For me, I see him doing it so much. I know Ethan here is definitely an opponent of the Chargers since day one. Big hater of the Chargers here. But, yeah, I, I have the Nets in five. But I, don't, I feel like the Nets, especially if the Celtics would have had Jalen Brown, I think the series could have been interested. I might have said Nets in five or six. I already said Nets in five, honestly. But no Jalen Brown, and you have Evan Fournier taking Brown's minutes. And from what I saw, Evan there and, like, the matchups, ugh. It just wasn't going for good for him. He did not seem like Kevin Durant seemed too athletic for them. I mean, you had all the other defenders that seemed too athletic for him. I, I think I could have seen the series being competitive if there was a Jalen Brown. And I, I, I paired it like saying this in this specific way. If you have Jason Tatum, Smart, and, and Brown on the court to close games, like I think Tatum, who is the worst defender of those three, obviously, all three of those guys can t- uh, turn it up a little bit to get, you know, the stop, the one stop, right? And I look at it in that that it's that simply is if if the the Celtics could play like the Celtics could get away with playing guys like a Jabari Parker who's going to attack the rim uh, against mismatches, a guy like Aaron Neesmith who can't defend, Peyton Pritchard who's just you know kind of that dogged mentality. Like you have you have guys who can score on this team to theoretically keep up with the Nets if they're not playing very good defense. And then you have th- three guys who might be able to get a stop at the end of the game. Well, then th- then the Celtics are in it. But with no Jalen Brown, you're no matter you're, there's no one to guard the third star of the Nets, and that means they're going to get a bucket. Uh, Kimba Walker is by by the way the worst of the charge takers. He's out here just throwing his body around, acting like he's not old. So he's trying to end his career early by doing stupid stuff on defense. You know, I'll tell you, this is the this is the problem with today's society, everyone. The the instant gratification of taking a charge versus the long term uh, longevity of playing basketball without taking all these hits. It's 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 just a, it's a math equation. And Kimba Walker's ruining his career right now by taking all these charges. Exactly. Heard it here first. Yeah. Wow.
By the way, LeBron James trying to take a charge in that Warriors game. It, it makes it, he makes it so hard for me to love that man. He makes it so hard. Also, he's taking a, trying to take a terrible charge. He's playing he's playing actor on the on the baseline. He, ugh, just awful stuff, man. I'm, I'm, I'm like LeBron. I love you so much. You talk about seeing three rims. That's not what happens when you get poked in the eye. You, you, you just be blurry. I'm telling you, you, you're making it hard, pal. And I love you to death. You're making it By hard. By the way, one thing about the Celtics, I do find it. One thing I'm always curious now is what would have the Celtics would have never traded for Kimball Walker and just kept Terry Rozier. That's one thing I ponder about often. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure the Celtics have to have known how Kemba Walker's knee was coming into that that transaction, right? I don't know. They 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 also don't make the conference finals last year. If I mean, it's just, I just don't think that they would. Um, fair enough. So fair enough. Fair enough. It, yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll see. They're, they're in an interesting interesting situation. I here's the thing. I know. I know that Brooklyn's offense is very, very, very good. And Brooklyn made 23% of their three-pointers. Had a bad <laughs> shooting night. Guess what's most likely to improve? Brooklyn's offense. That. Yeah. I, I, I trust them. I, and I guess I know that Boston had a bad shooting night as well. But, but guess what I don't know? I'm not totally confident in Boston and Boston's offense. Like, I just... You... you you had a good start. You held them. You were you had a lead uh, going into halftime, and those are the games. If you're the underdog, that you need to win. You look at like Miami being the underdog against Milwaukee uh, early early in last year's um, playoff, right? Like, oh, they, they were able to go in and grab a win earlier on. Like, you need to get those if you're the underdog. And guess what? You had an opportunity, and you lost it. How many times do you think? that Brooklyn's going to have a bad shooting night. I, I would venture to guess this is the one. This is the one game. So guess what? I got I got Nets in four. I don't, I don't think they win one game. So. All right. All right. So let's go on to the next matchup, 3-6. Matchup Bucks versus the – can't even call them the Heat anymore. The Indiana Pacers wearing those yellow and black jerseys. Get those out of here, Ethan. I don't think I've ever seen the Pacers wear a black jersey just for the record. Exactly. So, With the yellow. Like, yellow and black. Yellow and black seems fine. Yeah. Anyways, though. Sorry, cha- it's championship gold, technically speaking. Um, I know the Pacers don't understand that. ABA Pacers do. ABA Pacers understand that. ABA Pacers do understand that championship stuff. They definitely do. Uh, so, I have the Bucks in six. I think it's going to be a fight. A good, hard-fought series. I think the Heat... Even though they did make a bunch of three-pointers and did not win, but they kept it close throughout most of the game, and Jimmy Butler had a horrible shooting game, I think I think the Heat are able to compete. But I think this is a different Bucks team this year. I think the role players are going to step up a little bit more, and I think they're three guys. I really like I like Middleton, Giannis, and, and Holiday, the way that they are matching up. But... Uh, Coach Bud, you guys, I don't know. I've been high on Coach Bud for so long. Sometimes I see the way the Bucks run their scheme, and I'm like, I'm not having confidence in Coach Bud. That that that's the only thing. I think the Bucks are gonna win, but Coach Bud makes me lose confidence. And it, a bad Coach Bud denier from the beginning. And by the way, and um, also too, it doesn't help that he's going against Spolstra. Like Spolstra exposes weak coaches. I feel like he knows he can outcoach. If you're weak, he's gonna outcoach you. For me, I just looked at their game plan to begin with, and that led promptly to three Duncan Robinson threes right in a row. It's just like, 
are you really going to do that with Brooke Lopez? And it, it, it led to a bad, you know, bad shooting performance from two for the, uh, you know, for the Heat. But at the same time, I just, I I don't know if, if that's the best play. I, I, I'm a little bit hesitant when it comes to Coach Bud, especially in the playoffs. And, uh, but, but it doesn't matter. I still have, I had Bucks in five at the beginning and I feel more confident in that now. I just, I don't look at this as the same series as last year. I, I look at and think, well, uh, how great was um, uh, just the, the shot making from the Heat last year? Like, they just made so many threes in this series. You know, uh, Jay Crowder was on fire, and he was also defending Giannis, and, and now that's Ariza. Is Ariza going to be doing that? I mean, I don't know if he's I – don't, I don't think so. He doesn't quite have the uh, – like, he'll take some threes, but they're going to be open. It's not quite the unconscious just attempts of Jay Crowder. And I just, the addition of Drew Holiday just changes the game for me. Um, and it's just too many spots where you've, someone can't hurt you. Now the Bucks have a problem where they're, it becomes a little bit too egalitarian where why are we running plays for Dante DiVincenzo? Why are we running plays for Bobby Portis? I know Bobby Portis had a good, nice game, but why, why are we running those plays for them? Why don't we go ahead and just run things through our big three? And if DiVincenzo gets a shot, if Bobby Portis gets a shot, if Brooke Lopez gets uh, a shot or a duck in, like, that's fine. If, but, like, run the stuff for Middleton, Giannis, Drew Holiday. So I am a little bit pensive when it comes to the Bucks coaching. But at the same time, their talent is just it's, – it's more than the, heat, than the Heat this year. And I have Bucks in five. Uh, I think that – Winning that first game was huge for them. Just as far as winning the series goes, I, I, it's just what I got. So, Bucks in, Bucks in five. Um, well, there's no reason for me to, to dilly-dally. Heat in five, no big deal. <laughs> now, here's the thing. There, there's a lot to, lot to unpack. I haven't finished that game. I, I do. Have, I, I watched it through, through the third quarter, and I was like, I'm getting sleepy. I need to go to bed. I, I played golf yesterday, so I, I, I didn't watch anything live. I'm looking at the, the the box score though, even though I haven't finished the game, and I see I see what I expected minus the Bucks shooting horribly from three. So that's something that can definitely correct itself. The Bucks can shoot much better. That that will not surprise me. Although I also don't think at any in any time Bam and Jimmy are going to have that bad of a game from two again. I don't care what the the defense does, and I know that they were dropping Lopez a lot, and you know they're staying in his airspace. I don't see that continuing. Forty percent from three also hard to continue as well. I I honestly just think. Um, the reason I go seven, I wouldn't go six, is I think Drew Holiday makes it that much harder into games. He's going to take some Jimmy Butler time, and he's going to get a couple turnovers that the Heat wouldn't expect otherwise. But I, I honestly think I think Jimmy's that dude. I think Bam's that dude. And while if the Bucks he beat the Heat, I'll pick them to go to the finals. I think the Heat still have this matchup, and I I I I, I had picks Bucks in six, and I'm just I'm listening to y'all's arguments, and I, I find them wanting, and I think it's. Heat culture, heat life, heat and five, heat and seven, oh, ah, boy. but heat and five. The Bucks shot sixteen percent from three again. That's why. That's what I said. They shot There's... horribly. That's the only thing I didn't see coming from this game is the Bucks shooting horribly from three. But how could I see Jimmy Butler and Bam going to combined uh, eight for thirty-seven? No, that doesn't happen. Well, that, that, the... that equalizes it. No, no, no. But here's no. Okay, three is greater than two. Right, three, three, 
Well, and, and, and so I, and, I just see the they, positive there's, regression. There's, there's, but the heat that I'm talking about eight, eight for 37 versus, you know, let's see five for 31. I'm saying like, that's a pretty comparable thing there, bud. Yeah. But if you're protecting three pointers versus two pointers, like I, I, my, my, my point if they is, bo- if they both regress, there's still more twos that they took. I, my point's correct. Go oh away. my goodness. <laughs> ba- Bam, can you better, but here's the thing. Why is Jimmy taking so many threes? Because he can't get to his spots as well against this Bucks defense in the in in, in two point range. You took nine what was it, nine threes, Jimmy? That's not gonna happen again. Those are just gonna go to Duncan and he's gonna make them. I ain't sweating it. I say I'm let, let, let me watch the fourth quarter and, and overtime and up. I'll, I'll come back and I'll, I'll maybe I'll be a little less cocky Heat fan, but right now I'm like I I see what I want to see from these numbers. Let me go confirm it with my eyes. Bucks are toast. It's in their heads. This this is this is an anomaly. Heat and five. Last matchup. All right. Knicks Hawks. Who you got, Elkin? Knicks. Since the beginning of the season, my pick with the over. We did the season preview. I'm so glad I picked the over. Had to go with Richard on that one too, but Nixon said, I think it's going to be a close series, but the Hawks really have no answer for Julius Randle. That's that's where, for me, it comes down to. The Hawks have no answer. And I also, too, I don't know I don't know how much this has progressed. I remember beginning of the season, we were talking about Trey Young's little uh, move he does. Let me get in front of the defender and draw the foul and annoy everyone. I hope if he tries to end the playoffs, he's going to see that the refs don't really call it that much. And I hope that's how it sticks. But I really want the Knicks to win as well. Some bias showing on my part. I, I hate Trey Young. Trey. Yeah, I was about to say Trey Young slander about to happen. <laughs> I hate Trey Young, and I will. I, 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 you'll never find me fi- saying I hate Rudy Gobert. We all know that was some contrived. Yep. Now I have uh, the receipts. <laughs> that was some contrived editing. Well, you 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 had to pluck that out of. I've never said that. You know, I just said it now. But yeah, you'd had to plug it out. I've never said that. It's all contrived, false, fake news kind of stuff. But I hate Trey Young. I don't enjoy him at all, and I don't think he's as good as everyone who only appreciates offense will tell you he is. He's he's a below average shooter at this point. I know his attempts are difficult, but he's been a below average shooter for two seasons now. He's a great passer, but his teammates still hate him. And I'm, I'm staying behind that. And so, honestly, the Knicks are going to bully him. Frank Nilkeen is going to play 10 minutes, and he's just going to demoralize the poor child, Trey Young. And it's just going to be a sad state of affairs for the Hawks. I honestly can't believe I'm picking the Hawks or the, the Knicks in six. I, if the Knicks, I wish the Hawks were the four seed so I could pick the Knicks, the Knicks in five. Because like, I, I just know the Knicks are going to win in Madison Square Garden and finish the deal. It's just going to be a bloodbath out there. Derrick Rose is going to dunk on somebody, oh. and it's just going to be sad. I hate to see it. I really do. But the Knicks are a solid basketball team, and the Hawks are frauds. Oh, man. Just like that. I mean, I feel a little bit concerned. I, I, I just a, a little bit. Like, I, I just I worry about where the Knicks' offense comes from, and I – I just, what are you talking about? They got five guys who shoot forty percent from three. What are we worried about? I'm concerned, a little bit concerned. I got Nixon seven as well, but just I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not totally hundred percent confident in in this one. One thing we'll I also see. tell you guys too is Nate McMillan is not a good playoff coach. That's one of the worst kept secrets and also one of the main reasons why the Pacers let him go because people are like oh why the Pacers keep Nate McMillan look at his success 
Reason is because in three postseasons, he only won three games and got swept out of postseason twice. So let's put it out there. You know, you know how many good defenders I see on the, uh, the Hawks <laughs> Go roster? Ahead. Let, let's be generous. Chris Dunn doesn't play really, but he's a good defender. Um, Tony Snell is like a body. DeAndre Hunter, good defender. And Clint Capella. That's it. That's Clint it. Ka- oh, I want to say, but I better, better not have been Clint Capella slander coming up here. No, he's, I, he's, Clint Capella is awesome. a solid player. He's, he's, he's a very awesome. solid player. Don't get me wrong. And I think Aneko Kongu someday will be a good defender. He's just not right now because he, he got drafted by the wrong team. Got drafted by a team that doesn't care about developing players to be good, efficient players. They just want to have you know people to show on the on the screen. Anyway, it's just it's going to be a complete terrible fiasco for the the Hawks. It's so one day they're going to ca- they're going to catch fire in two games and win two games, but it's going to be it the, the, the disparity is going to be atrocious. The Knicks are going to win. It's I, I bet the average the, the margin by the end of the series, including the two Hawks wins, is going to be Knicks by eight. Absolute blowouts with two close games where the Hawks shoot well. Garbage team. We definitely will not go back to revisit that because we will forget. But uh, that that is that that be bold bold takes I suppose. Um, they, so. they have no answer for Randall. They have no answer for Alec Burks of all people. There's nothing they can do to keep people out of the out of the paint. And Clint Capella is just going to be running backwards and sideways trying to cover for all these horrible mistakes. And the Hawks aren't going to shoot good enough to cover everything up. To finish things up, I'm just going to tell you who I got winning it all. And and so I've got a Milwaukee versus the Lakers matchup, and I got Milwaukee winning 4-3. The Bucks. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not happy. They're not going to get out of the first round. I'm not happy about picking two head coaches that I don't trust. <laughs> to, to be to be meeting each other in the in the but, finals. But you and, know, at least one of those and, head coaches made it to the finals has won it. Um, hold on. He was taken to the finals by LeBron wow. James. Vogel's a fine defensive coach. He has made some very questionable decisions. I and I and the only person I trust a little bit less than him and his decision making is Rob Polinka. So All right. It's it's so true, man. LeBron just carries that team in every facet. I don't know why they're not the 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 clutch sports Lakers at this point. Just let, let Rich Paul run everything for him and let LeBron run everything else. You know, just it's 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 time. It's time. Uh, I, I got uh, Heat and five the rest of the way every series. All right. Heat and five. I don't care who they play. Heat and five. Heat and five. Five five five. Actually, I'll say I have I have the Lakers beating the Nets uh, in six. Okay. All right. But then again, the Heat are going to beat the Nets, so I don't understand this prediction. Okay. I have the Nets winning in seven against the Lakers, even though I have the Suns beating the Lakers. So there's no way the Lakers are going to get to the finals. So I, I lied. I I I remember the Sixers are going to beat the Nets, and I I don't know if the Sixers are going to lose to the Lakers. But the Nets aren't going to the finals. Ooh. Sixers are going to the finals, even though they're going to lose to the Heat. But you wanted to pick Milwaukee, but you couldn't because they're playing your team. I, I got I'm a saying, lot of predictions going out there. I, I am the only one who's remaining consistent here. I just I just need it to be known. I, yeah, you're right. Um, no, I'll say this. It's, it's Lakers-Sixers official pick, even though the Heat are going to beat the Sixers. <laughs> Lake, he, has to, he has to be a Heat homer until the end, Richard. 
Unlike y'all, my team's still around. Both well, my I mean, teams. it could be argued that, that Elkins' team is still around, too, with the jerseys, so. Blazers heat in the finals. Heat in five.